before that, Cheryl Lynn and Gotta Be Real at 17 minutes past eight, the full English breakfast show. It's Wellbeing Wednesday. Uh, Gavin Sharp is uh, back in the Riviera Radio studios. Hello, Gavin. Hello, good morning and happy new year to you both. Yes, and same to you. Uh, you've been to any passes recently? Uh, only one in Downing Street, but... I, oh, oh, sorry. Gosh. I hope you've cleared your WhatsApp, have you? Because, I mean, it could be incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, today's topic is... Um, uh, healthy relationships, healthy boundaries. Now, what is a healthy boundary? Is it better for the ball to go along the floor or do you just smack it straight over the rope for six? <laughs> so we're going to talk about something similar, but not quite the same. Okay. <laughs> what I would say actually is one of the most frequent reasons people seek therapy is because they're in an unhealthy relationship. And the relationship perhaps is can be toxic, can be abusive, can be codependent. But very often what lies underneath is that there's been a failure to establish any boundaries. Um, and so that's what I'd like to talk about um, this morning. And I got a couple of, of just two or three teasers just to get people thinking about before um, before we do. Can I share them with you? Yeah. Just Okay, so I'd like to know whether any of these resonate. So I'm going to give you five quick statements to think about and on a scale between kind of yeah this kind of makes sense or wow this resonates so the first i feel as if my happiness depends on other people i find myself getting involved with people who end up hurting me people take or use my things without asking me <laughs> i have sarah what did you take up robs i have difficulty in asking for what i want or need and lastly I tend to take on or feel what other people are feeling and I just I invite listeners just to reflect on the statements do they seem do they resonate do they seem just quite foreign but the extent to which they resonate some of those are signs that we don't have healthy boundaries pens Sarah yes pens. I do <laughs> pens where's my pen Sarah's I'm, I'm grabbing you'll mine you'll get over now. it you'll get over it yeah, I mean, because people, you know, um, for want of a better word, um, some people are real uh, doormats, aren't they? They just allow themselves to be walks on. Yeah, ab absolutely. And it's really hard because we end up walking away and we feel a little resentful sometimes and we feel angry, but then we will often feel guilty or we think it's selfish. So we just kind of let it go. And what often happens in that relationship is the resentment tends to build and it will lead to an outburst. But there are people who've spent their life, you know, it, it's an extension of the people pleasing show that we did. There are people who will spend their life not asking for what they want or need because their assumption is, I shouldn't, it will be selfish. I'll, I'll just make it worse. I don't want to make a fuss, so I'll just go along with it. But eventually, my sense of self, my self-esteem, my personal happiness, all of that gets sacrificed because I'm not actually tuning in to me. It's like the, the frog in a, the saucepan of water analogy, isn't it? It just mm -hmm. gets hotter and hotter and eventually... It boils over. Well, Absolutely. we don't yeah. need to go into that, what happens yeah. to it. Not in detail, no. <laughs> I don't, the frog boils over it and evaporates. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what happens? I don't know. I've never tried it. Just ask a French chef. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great stuff. Uh, healthy relationships, healthy boundaries, all that with Gavin after the nine o'clock news. 
Uh, studio at RivieraRadio.mc. A bit slow on the uptake this morning. Let's have some questions. Studio at RivieraRadio.mc. This- the Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. Yes, there you have it on the front page of The Guardian, which is uh, sticking the boot in, to be quite honest. Boris Johnson's facing intense pressure from senior Conservatives to publicly confess he attended a rule-breaking garden party in Downing Street, with the Scottish Tory leader suggesting the Prime Minister should resign if he broke Covid rules. A string of Conservative MPs openly expressed anger and humiliation about the bring-your-own-booze gathering for up to 40 people on the 20th of May 2020, after it emerged in a leaked email. Others called on him to come clean and apologise on Wednesday, in the hope of stemming fury. Uh, sorry, I still can't work out whether to say COVID or COVID. I've said COVID for ages and everyone seems to be saying COVID, so I'm kind of in the middle now. In this morning's Parisian French high school children, along with the world of theatre in France, will celebrate the 400th anniversary of Molière's birth on January the 15th. A French playwright, actor and poet widely regarded as one of the greatest writers of the French language and world literature. Uh, on a significant anniversary, numerous demonstrations and tributes to the great man will take place across France. And uh, Dutch News says more than 200,000 people in the Netherlands tested positive for coronavirus in the first full week of January, a record figure and 77% higher than the previous week. BBC World Service News is coming up, followed by Gavin uh, with Wellbeing Wednesday. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Nice Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Cannes, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Did you give a calendar away yesterday? I did, yes. Yes. Anyone we know? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff was the first Jeff. one up with the right answers. Well done, Jeff. Yes. Anything to give away today? I mean, a few paper clips and a biro, maybe? <laughs> Last of the big spenders. Fantastic spenders. calendar. No expense <laughs> spared here on the Full English Breakfast Show. I'll give you one if you don't behave yourself. I beg your pardon? Question number one. <laughs> on this day in 1974, the Steve Miller Band were at number one in the US with The Joker, the group's first of three number ones, but which year did it reach number one in the UK? Oh, gosh, not till a lot later, I don't think. <sighs> was it in the 90s sometime? Might have been, but not have been. <laughs> uh, 1995. Is that your final answer? Four. No. Six. No, it was 1990. Oh, right. Was it used an advert, wasn't it? That's yes, why. Yeah. yes, the jeans advert. On this day in 2001... A British Airways staff complained about Oasis singer Liam Gallagher after he grabbed a stewardess's bottom, refused to stop smoking and threw objects around the cabin during a flight from London to where? Um, New York? No. Manchester? <laughs> London to Manchester, no. London to Rio de Janeiro. You'd been arrested. You would have been arrested today if you'd done that, wouldn't you? And finally, uh, not your favourite spice, but uh, one of the Spice Girls. The Sporty Spice was born on this day in 1974. The Spice Girls, of course, scored the 1996 UK number one and 1997 US number one single "Wannabe." But her first solo attempt was collaborating with who and which song? Brian Adams. And the song. Um... Songs that remind me of you. Um, <laughs> da, 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 I'll be walking. I know what you're. Um, she's the one with the horrible tattoo on her arm, isn't it? Mel cross. C, yeah. I think, is who uh, you're referring to. Brian Adams. Yeah, uh, C, um, it's something. Um, oh. Can't remember. 
when you're gone. Well, so I get half a point for that. Yeah, so gone. it's not yes. a big fat zero. No, it's half no, a point. No, because you've got Brian three. Adams. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, well. Another day in the office. Riviera Radio Business. Heidi, hi. Good morning. How are you today? Did you expect me to go ho-dee-ho or something there? No, not at all. Okay. It's just a lazy thing I slip into when I can't think of anything more interesting to say. (laughs) Um, So, have you been to Waitrose and got the popcorn ready? (laughs) It's going to be a dramatic political day, I guess you're referring to PMQs, (laughs) which is always a nervous time for investors will be, particularly the case, one would suspect, for the Prime Minister today as the uh, backdrop of the debate, shall we put it that way, over... Who went to parties? Uh, were there parties? Who went to parties? Did they break the rules? All these types of things will play out in front of the Commons and the cameras today. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's looking pretty grim for Johnson. I mean, even Christopher Chope was having a go at him yesterday in the House of Commons. But uh, it's pretty bizarre that he doesn't know if he went to his own party, isn't it? <laughs> Christopher Chope talking about the dirty washing, I think, wasn't it, yesterday, and whether it should be all come out in one go. That That's often the case with these scandals, isn't it? It's the, the drip, drip effect that can eat away at uh, the popularity of the government and uh, cut through in terms of the public's imagination. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait to see. Of course, there's an official inquiry taking place. So we uh, uh, no doubt that will be the fallback position for the Prime Minister today. So uh, I think we'll see an apology. I think we'll see. Oh, really? We'll wait for the results of the uh, the, the inquiry and, and that will be the line today. Won't he just try and blame everybody else is what he normally does? That's not for me to say. All right, okay, fair enough. I wouldn't like to go. You always love to make this a... This is bad. Remind you, this is a finance section, not a political section. Well, but, you know, it's it's, it's like a Venn diagram, isn't it? You know, if you drew drew two big circles in finance and politics, uh, then they they would overlap quite considerably, I would imagine. Very true. Okay. Uh, Markets, better day yesterday. Uh, Jerome Powell being slightly less, less hawkish to the Senate Banking Committee, but interest rates are coming, and that's for sure. It feels that way. A bit of a volatile session it felt for global equity markets yesterday. Roller coaster arrived, particularly for the technology sector as investors tried to time the market and buy the dips. Stock 600 in Europe gained six tenths of one percent, led by the technology sector. It's been somewhat of a nervous start to the year. Investors think concerned about the tightening in monetary policy. They're also worried about the economic damage, the further inflationary pressures being created by the Omicron variant. But as you say, US stocks rose after Jerome Powell reassured investors the Federal Reserve will dampen inflation, but also reminded them that the economy is rebounding at pace and there's some good news in relation to that. The S&P 500 holds at a five-day slide, was up nine-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ outperformed, was up 1.4%. The dollar fell a little bit yesterday as well. Looking at a positive start on the European bourses this morning, currently calling a FTSE up 46 points. Stacks over in Frankfurt up 113 points. Cat Corner Paris up 58 points. Well, a big number today is uh, the US inflation day, sir. What are we expecting? A headline rate of something around 6%? Something higher than that one would suspect. Uh, I think officially we've got penciled in 6.9%. Uh, it could well top with a seven handle, it has to be said. We are looking for a deceleration in the month-on-month increase in December due to reduction in energy pressures. If you look at retail gas prices in the United States, they were lower in December than they were in November. But we expect food inflation to remain robust due to a pickup in demand 
from the hospitality sector. Labour shortages have also been behind elevated price pressures in some of the service sector categories. Hurricane Ida led to a surge in new and used car prices as well. But we look for headline CPI to rise four-tenths one percent month on month, but that compares to 0.8% increase that we saw in November. So we do see US CPI peaking at 7%, which is an incredible figure. There's no doubt about that. We think that could well happen in January, but then drift low as we go through the year with annual CPI back to 2% in December of this year, which could change that narrative quite dramatically and take some of the pressure off the Federal Reserve by the end of the year. But as you quite rightly point out, interest rate hikes in the United States are coming. We think that rate liftoff will be in March. Do you have many takeaways? I know you like dominoes, or you used to before your wife put a stop to it. Uh, very little takeaways, to be honest, in the Potts house. The occasional dominoes, but they're uh, few and far between. But I know lots of my colleagues, lots of my friends do uh, embrace the food delivery operations that are widely available these days. And we heard from one of those yesterday, actually. Delivery Hero shares jumping 5%. This after the food delivery business said it will break even in the second half of the year and said that its investment and its on-demand grocery operations will peak in the next three months. They also said that it's looking into expanding into newer businesses, including selling advertising and allowing consumers to delay payments. The company has rolled out a buy now, pay later service. All sounds a bit dangerous, doesn't it? In the Middle East and the North Africa, hoping it will lead to an increase in basket sizes and more frequent orders. Delivery Hero is also looking at broadening its financial technology offerings, such as providing financing to vendors in collaboration with the banks. This is a business that's now currently valued at 21 billion euros. Quite incredible. They expect to earn somewhere around about 100 million euros in the fourth quarter of this year. The North Africa as opposed to the South Africa. Uh, exactly right, yes. <laughs> they haven't uh, ventured into sub-Saharan Africa just yet. Well, you don't, you don't get any curries on takeaway and delivery? No. no. Uh, very rarely. Actually, we do get one. There's a, there's a, now, now you've reminded me once in a, once in a while. But uh, yeah, we do we do get one from uh, from one near me. It's actually very. I tell you what's nice about it. You know, <laughs> I went for a while where there's a lot of oil. You know, you get that oil on those curry deliveries, and that, and that puts you off. We found one that, that doesn't that seem not to be able to do that. So the, I have got a good one next time you're in town. But hopefully it's not oil from the delivery man's bike. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I suppose takeaways are not really required for a man of your stature who spends most of his spare time in the RIC club. Thank you very much. <laughs> What's interesting, of course, it goes beyond, you know, takeaway food. I mean, people are getting groceries delivered to their house. You can, I, I saw Morrison's, you can uh, have things delivered, I think, within two hours. There's a range of these services, so it goes simply beyond fast food into into more generic items. Narcotics, for example. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, really know knowledge about quick, that. Thank quick you. word about a couple of private equity firms that are sniffing around boots, uh, probably interested in the smelling salts, I would think. Yeah, Walgreens Boots Alliance has begun a strategic review of its UK-based operations as the uh, second largest US pharmacy chain tries to renew its focus back on its U US healthcare operations. Boots, remember, a huge operation in the UK, more than 2,200 stores. They've got pharmacies, they've got health and beauty stores, amongst other things that they've got there. The review comes at a time when Alliance Boots is... Um, 
uh, well, well, Walgreens, which uh, acquired a stake in Alliance Boots in 2014, is uh, looking to move beyond its drugstores and investing into healthcare providers. So perhaps with a broader change taking place in relation to that, Boots sales have actually been pretty good. If you look at the quarter to the end of November, they're up 8.8%. They've seen increased footfall coming through. But lots of action taking place in terms of private equity firms, particularly looking at UK firms where sterling, of course, has been weaker. So um, I think we'll continue to see that trend playing out. Yeah, it's got to be best than Superdrug, though, hasn't it, really, Boots? Yeah. Uh, well, different types of operations, different customer base, one would suspect. Foreign exchanges, please. Pound against the dollar coming in at 136. This morning, euro dollar coming in at 113 and a half. You're going to get one euro 20 cents for your British pound this morning. Enjoy PMQs. Oh, yes, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be interesting watching today. Yeah, as I said to Sarah earlier, no wonder they call it the Conservative Party. <laughs> Have a nice day. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Bye, Hank Potts and Barclays. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. It's been estimated by the French government that up to 800,000 people who have not had their COVID booster vaccine are at risk of having their health pass deactivated this Saturday. And the deadline was set in November by the government. Uh, the booster vaccine was made available to all adults at the end of November as the government announced that it would be necessary to extend the health pass, which will soon be replaced by a vaccine pass. In the absence of the booster or a recovery certificate, the pass can be deactivated from the 15th of January. The pass will be deactivated for those who have not had a booster dose at most seven months after the last injection. And for those over 65 and people with underlying health conditions who had access to the booster as early as September, the deadline was December the 15th. According to data from Public Health France, the vaccination for children aged 5 to 11 years old in the Outmar team has failed to take off, with only 359 children getting the jab since it was made available to this age group in France on December the 22nd. Meanwhile, in the update on the health situation for our region on Tuesday, the regional health agency uh, said that they had evoked an unprecedented level of viral circulation, a situation partly explained due to the Omicron variant, which now represents a majority of COVID cases in the Provence-Alpes-Côte d'Azur region. The agency is particularly concerned about the high positivity rate of PCR or antigenic tests, saying that at present more than 18% of tests carried out returned positive. Latest hospital figures show that 379 COVID patients are currently hospitalised in the Outmare team and 421 in the VAR. France broke a new record of daily COVID infections on Tuesday with 368,149 new cases detected in 24 hours. Hospital pressure also continues to worsen with 23,371 patients currently hospitalised in France due to COVID. In Monaco, two deaths from COVID were reported on Tuesday evening. Both were residents of the Principality, aged 91 and 100. Uh, the princely government has expressed its condolences and support to the families concerned. Since the beginning of the epidemic, 44 residents have died from COVID in Monaco. Uh, Tuesday saw a further 78 new cases declared, bringing the total number of people affected to 6,165. 34 people are currently in hospital and 239 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. Thousands of caregivers took to the streets across France on Tuesday to defend the public hospital which they claim has been washed away by successive waves of Covid. 
In Paris, some 3,000 people, according to the CGT, 900 according to the police, are marched to, in a, uh, to obtain better wages and the improvement of working conditions. In Bordeaux, the event brought together about 1,500 participants. That's according to the organisers. In Brest, some 300 demonstrators marched through the city and in Lille, about 400 demonstrators were out in protest. Meanwhile, strike action in French education establishments is still scheduled to go ahead tomorrow. Unions are calling the industrial action because of grievances connected with the government's implementation of Covid protocols in schools. Uh, the strike action is taking place despite Prime Minister Jean Castex announcing a simplified health protocol on Monday evening. The Minister of National Education, Jean-Michel Blanquer, said on Tuesday that the strike doesn't solve the problems and we do not strike against a virus. In other news this morning, an 87-year-old man has died after being hit by a motorbike. The accident occurred in jean Pins shortly after 9.30 on Tuesday morning. It's not clear if the man had used the pedestrian crossing. Police have appealed for any witnesses to come forward as part of the investigation in order to determine the exact circumstances. The Mayor of Cannes, David Lisnard, has announced his departure from both the presidency of the Outmarie Team Côte d'Azur Film Commission and the presidency of the Regional Tourism Committee of the Côte d'Azur. The CRT will be appointing his replacement at tomorrow's General Assembly. Lisnard is stepping down after six and a half years of presidency of the CRT. According to a new survey conducted by eLab, French President Emmanuel Macron is losing ground to Valérie Pécresse and Marine Le Pen for the first round of the presidential election. A week after Macron's controversial remarks on the unvaccinated, he's lost about three points in the polls and stands at 22.5% or 23% depending on the candidacy or not of left-wing Christiane Taubira. Should Taubira refuse to run for presidency, then the gap between the head of state and his main rivals will narrow. Marine Le Pen and Valérie Pécresse are currently tied with 17% of voting intentions. Uh, behind is Eric Zemmour at 13%. Uh, finally, for those that like to grab a bargain, the winter sales start today in the Outmara team and are on until Tuesday, February the 8th. Riviera Radio, Sports News. Will you be hitting the shops today? I haven't got any money left after Christmas comes at the wrong time. Get credit. <laughs> uh, Formula One, the Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff has said that Lewis Hamilton is disillusioned with the sports and may not return. Wolff says the seven-time world champion won't decide whether he'll race again next season until the results into the inquiry into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix are released. Hamilton lost the championship to Max Verstappen after the race director Michael Massey failed to apply the FIA rules correctly in a late safety car period. Reports say Hamilton has lost confidence in the sports governing body as a result. Yeah, that fiasco was something you wouldn't have seen happen uh, under Charlie Weising, the late uh, race director, but... Uh, Maple Michael Massey should be considering his position. Tennis Novak Djokovic has released a statement in which he's admitted to not isolating after contracting coronavirus and has blamed his agent for an administrative mistake when he declared he had not travelled for two weeks before his flight to Australia. The world number one has conceded that he made an error of judgment by not isolating, but questions remain over whether he told the entire truth to immigration officials. The Australian government is still considering whether the player's visa should be revoked, although he was freed from quarantine detention on Monday by a judge in Melbourne. It's not yet clear when the government will make a decision 
as to whether Djokovic can stay or not. Football, there was one game in the English Premier League last night. Here's more from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Andy Barwell at the BBC Sports Centre. There's been more action in the English Premier League at a game rescheduled from mid-December. Southampton beat Brentford 4-1 at St Mary's to move up to 11th in the table, 13 points above the relegation zone and above their opponents. The BBC's Alistair Bruce Ball was there. Southampton are enjoying their longest unbeaten home run in the league for over five years and this 4-1 scoreline certainly didn't flatter them. They simply outclassed Brentford. Jan Bednarek's header got them in front after five minutes. Vitaly Janelt equalised with a sweet left foot volley but that was just temporary respite for the visitors. Ibrahima Diallo's bouncing shot came back off a post and in off the Brentford keeper Alvaro Fernandez. Then Armando Broya and Shea Adams helped themselves to goals in the second half. Both teams are comfortably clear of the relegation zone at the moment but on this evidence, Brentford fans will be the more concerned about getting sucked down the table and three of their next four games are against Liverpool and the two Manchester clubs. Testing times ahead. The Leicester City striker Kalechi Iheanacho scored the only goal of the game as Nigeria defeated Egypt 1-0 in their opener at the Africa Cup of Nations. There was frustration for the Manchester City star Riyad Mahrez skippering the holders Algeria who were held 0-0 by Sierra Leone. Meanwhile, Liverpool's Egyptian star Mohamed Salah says he is not making unreasonable demands as he continues his contract negotiations with the club. Salah says he wants to stay at Anfield, but it's not in his hands and that he is not asking for crazy stuff. And Newcastle United are closing in on the signing of the Burnley striker Chris Wood. The Newcastle boss Eddie Howe has been targeting a forward after Callum Wilson was ruled out of action for eight weeks with an injury. For more football news on the BBC, go to bbc.com slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Mo Salah, he not happy? He not happy, no. He was a Chelsea once, let him slip through our fingers. Yes, he did. Mmm. Uh, in the English Championship last night, Fulham thrashed Reading 7-0 away. And there's one game in the Premier League tonight. West Ham play Norwich, while Spurs play Chelsea in the second leg of the English League Cup. Semi-final trailing 2-0 from last week's first leg. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Almaracim in the VAR. The general situation is high pressure, 1,025 millibars over the western Mediterranean and a depression, 1,012 millibars over the Tyrrhenian Sea. Winds are variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferrat, 1,020 millibars and the outlook for Thursday. Clear skies, force 2 to 4 variable, winds, slight seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good, barometric pressure cap course, 1,020 millibars, and the outlook for Thursday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Looks like it's going to be another lovely day. Clear skies, lights to moderate westerly variable winds, temperatures 13 to 15 degrees today. Overnight lows 3 to 6 degrees on the coast, minus 3 degrees inland. Thursday and Friday, clear skies, highs of 12 to 14 degrees. Finally, an asteroid, three times the size of the Empire State Building. What, another one? Another one, yes, and one kilometre wide is set to whiz near Earth. The space enthusiasts will be peering through their telescopes next week when the massive asteroid comes close to Earth, travelling at 42,754 miles per hour. 
The asteroid is coming so close to our planet and is classified as potentially hazardous by NASA. Uh, the space rock, almost three times the size of the Empire State Building, will be so near to us that astronomers might be able to catch a glimpse of it. If it collided with Earth, well, the results would just be, well, not worth thinking about. Uh, but before people start panicking, uh, don't worry, as uh, experts say that it will get no closer to us than 1.2 million miles. That's more than five times the distance between us and the Moon. Uh, the date is going to swing by on January the 18th at 9.51pm. Don't look up. Yes, I played that. A, because it uh, came up as one of the music questions on University Challenge on Monday night, and I didn't know it was either, but I quite liked it. And B, it seemed fairly appropriate for Wellbeing Wednesday with Gavin Sharp. What did you think of that, Gavin? It was an interesting... An interesting song choice. Yep. Not something I've heard before. No, no. In fact, I don't think Jeremy Paxman had heard of it before, but he had to ask the question. Yeah. Mm. Right, it is uh, Healthy Relationships, Healthy Boundaries uh, this week or this month. We do have a few questions coming in, but we still have time for one or two more, should you like to ask Gavin something. Uh, right, so we did sort of start on uh, an outline of what the topic is, so just enlarge a little bit again, please. So thank you, and, and Happy New Year to you both. Good to see you. Um, so the topic is healthy boundaries and setting boundaries is essential for us to have happy and emotionally healthy lives. And so just before the, the break, I gave you a couple of teasers for people to reflect on because these are signs that you might have unhealthy boundaries. So I just post four statements to see what resonated. And the first was... I feel as if my happiness depends on other people. Kind of, you know, true or false, or where are you on this spectrum? I find myself getting involved with people who end up hurting me. People take or use my things without asking me. I have difficulty asking for what I want or need. And I tend to get caught up um, in the middle of other people's problems. So on a scale of one to five? Yeah, kind of where where are you on those and and so and again i mean i could give you know the, the a full questionnaire is going to be like you know 30 or 40 questions but those are some of the standouts because you know if i had to define which i'd like to do boundaries healthy boundaries are they're the kind of rules of engagement of um living and so they're the limits and the rules that we set ourselves in our relationships and I've mentioned Brene Brown before. She's a Canadian researcher. And she defines boundaries as what's okay and what's not okay in my relationships. And, and, and there's an author and also a, a, a psychotherapist. And I'm also going to share her definition because she actually wrote a book. And she called the book, Where You End and I Begin. And I think that's a really interesting way of capturing what a boundary is. There's this um, invisible line that separates you from me. And if I go back to some of those, those, those statements, um, when people cross that line, they are actually beginning to violate the boundary. And in fact, and Catherine said, if, if people are crossing your line, it's because they don't know that you've drawn one. So it's a, a really important part, and I said before the break, that one of the most common reasons people come to therapy is they're stuck in unhealthy relationships where they're not getting their needs met. And very often it's because they're not asking 
for their needs. They may not have identified them, but they're not asking for what they want or what they need. And it's causing anxiety or depression. I have a boundary. It's a very thick piece of glass between you and me. It, it is. Only to be broken in case of emergency. Absolutely. You, you do try to keep me out, don't you? Sarah, do you have any boundaries, apart from some, not more than one pint on a school night? No, I don't have any boundaries. Really? No. You're free and, <laughs> you're free no. and easy? Yeah. Every, everybody's well, if welcome. if you're not going to depend... I don't know. I think people have to depend. It doesn't matter... You have to, if you're not going to depend on people, who do you depend on? Yeah, but I mean, I'm the, quite self-centered. I think you can't allow people to extract the Michael, putting it politely, can you? Yeah, but then that depends. We all have to. Well, yeah, that's well, why you're here talking round, about boundaries. If your neighbour came round and asked you for a cup of sugar, you'd probably willingly give of course, them one. Yeah. But if they came round every night and asked for a, a couple of eggs or, a, uh, you know, a bag of sugar or a kilo of potatoes, well, why not? Well, you'd eventually you'd get fed up with it, wouldn't you? Surely. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't right. think so. If Sorry. you're missing any food, all part around to Sarah's place, and she'll give you anything you want. Have you got any Turkish delight? No, I haven't. <laughs> Good, because I don't like it. But you see, I would argue that you you do have some boundaries. It may be that your boundaries are too porous, and at some point we'll talk about what's healthy and what's an unhealthy boundary. But I sometimes give this example to clients, and I'll say if they're sat in the room with me, which at the moment. We're online, but if they're sat in the room with me and I say, if I start to move my chair a little mm. bit closer to you... And then I, and, I've got lucky. OK, and then I move <laughs> it a little bit closer, and then a little bit <laughs> closer, <laughs> and at some point, it's highly likely you're going to say, Gavin, I don't feel comfortable, this is my physical space, and I don't feel comfortable that you are this close to me. I'm sure I can't keep moving my chair... But why, so I would close. think why you'd, I'd say, why are you doing that? Gavin? Okay, so that's the beginning of having a discussion about a boundary because what you're recognizing okay. is you're in my physical space here. Mm -hmm. And actually, sometimes when people have been abused, it's because they haven't been able to say, this is a boundary because my boundary starts with my skin. I mean, that's the most basic physical boundary. So, you know, if during the show I gently touch your hand or I touch your knee or your arm, you know, I might have an innocent intention and it might be okay that affectionately I touch your, your, your elbow or your arm, but you might at some point say afterwards, Gavin, I, I don't feel comfortable um, with you touching me. Don't touch me! <laughs> I've got to get through that glass to Rob somehow. So all of these are examples of... Boundary. So I hear you that there may be some boundaries that are more difficult, but I'm pretty sure there will be some boundaries that you will assert. Mm, interesting. This I probably pro should. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I, should, I, I probably are, should. You are a bit of a pushover, I have to um, say. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think obviously with, with when you talk about maybe, you know, sexual abuse, addiction... Yes. Uh, for me, those those are definite boundaries mm. that you probably do have to recognise. I think it's a completely different ball game if you're talking about boundaries and maybe um, adapting to people's different behaviour, mm -hmm. be them particularly affectionate towards you, which I might, I wouldn't take offence because I know that's just how that person behaves. Just like if somebody's particularly has problems showing their emotions, or I'm not going to take offence and say I need to put up a boundary because I don't know. I, I guess I just have a different scale. of where I consider a boundary needs but, to be put in place. But that's place. perfect. So all of us, so Rob, your boundaries are going to be different to mine, are going to be different to Sarah's. It's do I know where my line is? And if someone crosses it, how comfortable am I 
risking the confrontation. So you might think, ah, Gavin's a bit tactile. He just touches my arm when, when he leaves and says goodbye. And Rob might think, I really don't like this. I'm not comfortable with touch. So does he just kind of, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to upset Gavin. Um, and then this kind of resentment builds up between us. Um, or is he going to risk some rupture in our relationship and say, Gavin, there's something I need to share with you. Um, I'm not comfortable with you touching my arm or giving me a hug. Um, and if you keep doing this, there might be a consequence. Yeah, um, you better not take offence because it might be a boundary offence belonging to somebody else. And you'll never get it in your car anyway. I just also think maybe <laughs> attitudes change with the, with the pandemic as well. I yeah, well, people, of course, I was going to mention that. You, yeah. you're suddenly, mm. you found yourself, you are pretty much isolated. We've all got to pay attention. We've all suddenly uh, lost that being quite affectionate to one another or kissing each other hello yeah. or handshakes or... Fist bumps, that's yeah, the sort of rage now. So I, I guess maybe a... What, I can't think of the word for it, but when you in a reaction, revert action to that, you're maybe more um, tolerant of things that maybe in the past you might have found a bit intrusive, mm -hmm. be it a physical contact, be it you getting closer to me, uh, then, mm. but maybe now with the, with the pandemic, I, I just believe that we have to take on board everybody's what everybody's going through. Yeah, I mm. had a nice fist bump with Prince Albert a few months ago. Thank you for the champagne, by the way, Prince Albert. Have you got any more? But uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's that 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 person who, in, you know, because we're all trying to socially distance, and in the supermarket queue, you get you get the person who is as you're paying with your cards and putting your number in. They're right on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a because they want to try and steal your credit card details, or b because they just haven't got a clue about social distancing. But that for me would be infringing my boundary. And also on a serious point, as you were saying, sexual abuse. And um, there are numerous stories of women who are accosted on the underground in London by some vile man who just insists on getting as close to them as possible. And in that situation, you know, they what do they do? They, apart from carry a very sharp umbrella, but, uh, you know, it's almost impossible to avoid it in some circumstances. Absolutely. And then that person sometimes will show up in the therapy room and, and say, well, I, I didn't want to say anything um, or I didn't know if I could say something. And, you know, in our relationship, I, th I think it's, it's, again, going back to Anne Catherine, and she said, look, if you have no boundaries, um, it's like leaving the door to your home unlocked. Anyone can enter at will. People can take what they want from you. And, of course, the opposite extreme is some of us, because we've been hurt, actually our boundaries are too rigid. And if they're too rigid, then it's like being in a, in a remote locked-up castle because then actually nobody can get in or out. And then we can't have fulfilling relationships because we've just put a wall up. So for all of us, it's finding it's a really interesting discussion that all of us, the three of us here in the studio, we probably all have a different line that we want to draw. Sarah, you might be okay with the person behind you in the supermarket. Rob, you're not. What do we do with that? And, and COVID is a really good example because all of us are finding out that there are some boundaries here that we didn't have before, we're becoming aware of. You and I, we did the, the fist pump this morning, but if I'd have just gone to give you a really big hug, um, you might have felt uncomfortable or you might have said something. Or So all of us are having to, as we do in all relationships, every day we are confronted with setting boundaries. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not kissing anybody at the moment. Oh, come on. 
I don't want to kiss you, for a start. <laughs> I didn't ask you to kiss me. No, but no, I mean, all the hugging and kissing but, on the cheek is it's gone out of the window, yeah. isn't it, really? I, I guess maybe I'm... And maybe, Gavin, you'll be able to tell me whether I'm confusing matters, because, as I say, I do think, like you say, sexual abuse, addictions, yes, of course, there are boundaries that you have to try and put in place just to be able to survive. But I don't know about you, Rob, the expression where they say, uh, trop bon, trop... Can I say that oh, one yeah, now? yeah. Well, I um, suppose you can. We I said merde the other day, didn't we? Je vais vous emmerder. I think yeah. you can say it. And, yeah. I, yeah. I guess it's like saying if you're too good, too stupid. And I hate that expression because mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can be too good and too stupid. You learn from your mistakes. Mm. If, for example, somebody does break your boundaries and start to take advantage of you in, like you're saying, Rob, somebody knocks on my door and asks for a cup of tea every day, <laughs> then... But you're going to learn... Of wine. You're, 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 I'm fine with that. Uh, you're you're going to learn from that, surely. And if we... Can it not be dangerous that we maybe too eagerly put up boundaries and end up isolating ourselves or misjudging those boundaries? I suppose there's... Sorry, there's, there's a fine line between boundaries and, and paranoia, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the boundaries, if we go back to the Brené Brown definition, it's what's OK and not OK for me. And to your to your point, Sarah, you might be right that what you've discovered is that someone is um, taking advantage of me. So that's your information. If you are in touch with your emotions and if you feel self-confident, because boundaries are about self-esteem and self-respect, that now I know this person is taking advantage of me, I'm going to need to set a boundary. And to be clear, the boundary is about you and not the other person. Okay. And the boundary is all about something which I need. You don't need to justify it, and it doesn't need to be fair. But if, going to Rob's example, the neighbour keeps knocking on the door wanting, was it sugar or... or well, everything. Whatever it is, everything. They keep day. knocking on the door. So at some point, when you've recognised that I'm not comfortable, I'm feeling overly responsible, or I'm recognising the people-pleasing... Um, you have a choice. And if you want to be have that self-respect and not have the resentment, it's saying to the neighbour, um, can we have a chat? Something I want to share with you. I'm feeling taken advantage of. I'm not OK with you ringing the bell at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I'm, and then you might have a compromise. So oh. that, to me... <laughs> oh, no, it's when it's always my round. There you ah, go, I'd put a boundary up there. We found one. Well, yeah. that's absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, cool. It it's never my round anyway. Um, no, I was just imagining the scenario with the neighbour coming round and starting <laughs> starting off asking for a cup of sugar and then it progresses, can you lend me 50 quid? And says, would you mind moving out? Because I'd, I'd like to live here. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's a pushover. <laughs> um, oh, get a dog and two, uh, two teenagers. Um, no point in doing any travel. There's not a lot going on, so we'll have a clean run through to the news uh, with Gavin. And we have some questions. Uh, first of all, this is a bit of a tricky one. I think we'll, um, even though you have given your name, I think we'll, we'll leave this anonymous because it sounds quite difficult. Uh, I've worked very hard with my partner to set boundaries in order to have a healthier relationship. It doesn't work. I've said if they don't stop drinking, I'll leave. I've hid bottles, taken them th- uh, to therapy. My therapist said I was codependent, whatever that means. What else can I do to stop them drinking? Can Gavin give me some examples of what boundaries would be useful? Before you say that, I think the the main, the main thing to say about that is somebody who can't stop drinking, the only person who can help them is themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm very moved because of the situation and, and I, I have a lot in the therapy room with, with either the partner of the person who's drinking too much or sometimes the couple come in. 
And I think this is where boundaries sometimes get misinterpreted because the boundary isn't something that you do to someone else. As I said before, the boundary is for you. And, you know, in in Alcoholics Anonymous, I want to try and get this right. Um, I was talking about this in, in, in my men's group yesterday. We, we talk about the three C's, which is um, I, um, I didn't cause it, I can't control it, um, and I can't cure it. And I think the, it, it's really hard, but the best thing that a loving spouse can do is what is it that you need in the relationship? And it may be that... Um, you need to say things, for example, such as, um, "I, if you if you drink in front of the children, um, you know, I will leave the room. If you shout at me when you're intoxicated, um, I'm going to sleep in the other bedroom." Um, so, what? Because you know, the codependency thing is really interesting because, unfortunately, lots of spouses of addicts in my view get wrongly called codependent or you're the enabler and and I, I don't like that label because if I love my partner I'm going to do absolutely everything possible to try and help them and so that example of hiding the bottles it's, it's so common but ultimately to your point Rob you're spot on the addict themselves or the person who has an unhealthy relationship with alcohol they've got to seek help how do you keep yourself safe but there is very good support for the families and partners of problem drinkers through alcoholics anonymous it's called al-anon i think correct isn't it? Al -Anon. absolutely yeah. and maybe the phrase i just gave you maybe that's al-anon and not aa it might be an al-anon actually phrase okay, yeah the there, three, there three are C's. plenty of local groups if you uh, if you need help with that and just look on the internet i think there's one in nice i even think there's one in monaco so mm. um on to another question uh this is a lady who says um Nobody has ever respected my boundaries. I've been in so many unhappy and abusive relationships that I now choose to be single rather than let people in. I'm determined not to be hurt again. Uh, what do you make of that? So, again, I think that's where the, the you know, I'm, I'm again, I, I, I'm sorry that the person has had these unhealthy relationships and that they've been hurt. And I think it's also very understandable that then what we do is we go to this coping mechanism of and this is my example before of I lock the door and this is how I'm going to stay safe. I'm never going to be vulnerable. I don't want to be in a relationship where anybody has the potential to hurt me. And I think what I would say to that is you don't need to keep other people out to avoid being hurt. So I suspect that this person has um, struggled with asserting boundaries all of us, and this is what boundaries are about, we all have the, the, the right to feel safe in our relationships without fear of rejection and to be able to ask for what we want and need. So there are times when we have to shut out toxic people and we do have to put the boundary up, which is um, the, we have to stop having contact with someone who's abusive. But ultimately, a healthy relationship is where you deserve to be authentic, to be yourself and I would hope that that person through maybe doing some work maybe doing some therapy can get to a place where they do let healthy people in and when those people because it happens in all relationships cross the line they're able to say this is my line and I'm not comfortable with what you're doing 
Yeah, I mean, having said that, there are, you read about things all the time, and some people have some terrible experiences. I mean, not just physical abuse, but, you know, the, the, the man that a lady meets on the internet and he ends up taking her life savings. I mean, it happens mm -hmm. so frequently that there's some very unscrupulous people around, and it's, it's hardly surprising that people are very nervous about getting involved with somebody else after that. Yes, so I, I, again, I think it's that, and this is what therapy can assist us with, which is learning to trust again. And if we've had um, unhealthy relationships growing up, we sometimes don't know who we can trust and who we can't, and we place our trust in the wrong people. So unfortunately, in that example that you gave, it's not that uncommon that someone will say, I've had three relationships where all three people have done, have taken advantage of me or have taken money from me. And so the, the, the therapy is making sense of that, why that's happened, and how that person can put healthier boundaries down um, in a new relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I do know somebody, uh, it's a good friend actually, and she's just seems to attract bad men all the time. You know, mm. they're either physically violent or they drink or they, you know, they asked her for money and she just seems to, you know, are some people just prone to attracting that sort of person? I think one of the, one of the things I do in my, in my couples workshops is we, we actually work out the fact, and I think we may have discussed this when we looked at relationships, we very often re repeat patterns of the past and we very often will... Um, marry someone who is an amalgam of mum and dad. Now, I don't know your friend, but... Crikey. If... <laughs> Help. It's, it's, it's frightening. And despite the fact that someone will sit in front of me and say, absolutely not, I will do an exercise with them, and an hour later, um, I can pretty much guarantee that they will identify some of the absolute attributes from mum and dad, good and bad, and they've repeated this in their adult relationships. Because someone will, will often say to me, have I got this sign on my head that just says mug? How is it I always end up with these people? And very often it's because they have been hurt as a child and there is something familiar. And there's a theory that what we do in our adult relationships is we want someone to, to heal our childhood wounds. Um, so we're repeating something on a deeply unconscious level. So... That person has, your friend has the possibility through doing some work to break that cycle, to understand what it is about those men that she seems to draw in. So setting boundaries is difficult in this example because um, it's going to cause ripples and other people may not like the boundary that's being set, but it's not about the other people. It's about you. And so, yes, you're going to have to sell against uh, a lot of cultural expectations. And But if this is not healthy for you, again, I've worked with clients where they're in business with their brothers or sisters. Um, everybody is involved in everyone's relationships. And for a period that worked until it didn't. And so one of the things that my client had to say is, I need to put some distance. It's not okay for you to keep asking my wife about our sex life. I need to ask you to stop. And if you're not able to stop, this is where I need to draw the line. Yeah, I mean, um, religion can also cause huge problems, it's, you know, especially if somebody comes from a strict religious background and it might involve an arranged marriage or mm -hmm. something like that, and they're really unhappy with it and want to blend in with the culture that they are living in. But, I mean, it can be actually dangerous. I mean, people can be at risk of, uh, of violence as well. 
Absolutely. And that's what will, again, I would say, seek professional help to someone in that example, which is that I'm not living, I'm not living a life where I am being authentic. I'm not being a life where I'm being true to myself. And, you know, a healthy boundary is I don't want to compromise my values for other people. Yeah, Sarah's deeply religious, you know. She's suffering from Liverpoolitis. <laughs> Have you noticed? I'm sitting much closer to her, and she oh, hasn't objected I, 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 at all. Go on, touch her. Touch <laughs> her. I don't have any touch her knees. Boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> well, for some people, football is a religion. But, um, listening to you, this is an anonymous person again. Listening to you talk, we're not mentioning anybody's names today, actually. I mean, it's just uh, let's keep it all anonymous. So you know who you are if you've written into us. Listening to you talking about money has made me realise I've lent family members money over the years, and sometimes I haven't been paid back. If I'm honest, I do resent it, but I'm blessed enough that I can help. Uh, I feel a bit torn. Uh, would it be too late to set the boundary, and how would I do that? Oi, cough up. <laughs> um. It's never too late to set a boundary. I mean, there's not a lot that you can do in relation to money that hasn't obviously been paid back other than begin to state how you feel about the status quo. And again, money and family, this is very common. I've known people get themselves into personal debt because people in the family have expected them or asked them to lend money. So one of the first things we do with boundaries is this person needs to sit down and work out that it doesn't mean that you don't want to lend anyone anything. So where's your line? What will what will help? Um, what will help you? Under what circumstances might you lend other people money? And once you're clear about that, you now know when someone comes to you that you can say, "I have a policy. I don't lend friends money," or "I'm happy to lend you." A hundred euros, but not hundred thousand euros, or what you know, whatever it oh. might be. I was going to say it starts at hundred thousand euros and the one-way ticket to Rio, but you got to ask Sarah for that. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, lending money is a tricky one, isn't it? And maybe you should sort of say that yes, I will lend you some money, but if you don't pay it back when you say you will, I'll oh. start charging you interest. No, you have to do it, not expecting it back. Surely. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, no, you do. No, if somebody, if somebody then you don't says get to you, can you, can you lend me some money? Yeah. And you say, okay, you expect to be paid back. And if somebody says, can you give me some money? You know what you're getting into. And you can say yes or yeah, no. But I still think even if you lend money, you should still be prepared to accept that you might not get that money back. And you're well, then that's in your preparation in lending the money. Well, I've tried Either ask, you don't do it or I've you... I've tried asking people to give me money for years on this You've got site. loads of money. But saying, <laughs> you know, complain all the any, time. Any wealthy listeners in Monaco <laughs> uh, who would like to send me a blank cheque with a signature on it, I'm more than happy to take it, you know, if you can spare it, of course. But if you can't, then I understand. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, oh, here's another one. Uh, a question from a listener. When I invite friends to do things, they invite other friends without asking me first. I have a hard time telling them I find this inappropriate and disrespectful. Uh, I would like to be asked first if others can join. Yeah, that's that actually is highly annoying if you've invited somebody around for dinner. Like, I've just brought so-and-so with me, and you've only cooked enough for you know, the amount of people you were expecting. Absolutely. So that you've reminded me of another quote from um, Henry Cloud, who writes a lot about boundaries, and he says, "You get what you tolerate." So that's the kind of motivation for it is hard with friends, and I think some of the myths 
you know, two of the myths around setting boundaries are, one, oh, it's selfish, and it will cause my friendship to suffer. And um, it's not selfish. It's about um, you um, getting your needs met. And so, yes, it, it, they are difficult. This is why setting boundaries, it sounds so easy, but it's about saying to your friend, sharing, because this person's very clear about what they want. Um, I would like to be asked first. So there's your boundary. Set it with your friend. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, people turn up at passes with other people all the time, don't they? I mean, a dinner pass is slightly different. If you invite one person to a dinner party and they bring two other people with them, uh, what, would, what would you do? Say, sorry, no, you can't come in. <laughs> or, or so, well, I'm sorry, I didn't expect you, but, you know, I've only made enough uh, food for four, but you're perfectly willing to come in for a drink. Mm, yes. But you'll have to leave in ten minutes. No, I knew someone that that's what she did all the time. What? Well, she would always... It didn't matter. The more, the merrier. And there would always be enough to go around. Oh, she had to make a big stew or a yeah. pot of soup or but something. But she had a wonderful outlook because she just... She met interesting people through it, people that she never expected to meet. And, uh, and there was always enough to go around. I see. But you see, sometimes, again, and it depends, that person... The person who's the people pleaser... Um, sometimes has, not always, I stress sometimes, what we call porous boundaries. So someone who's got porous boundaries is the person who does have difficulty saying no. Um, they are, you know, this is the person who you go to a dinner party and they will just overshare personal information within the first 30 seconds. Um, they are more likely to be dependent on the opinions of others. So it's possible, I'm not saying this is the case for your friend, but it's possible that this people-pleasing, these porous boundaries, and what we realise at some point in our life, which is, I don't feel respected, I don't feel taken seriously, I feel constantly resentful and angry, if that's the case, may not be for your friend. No, because she had, she at the same time, she had, she's tough as boots. I mean, she mm -hmm. had a very, she would make sure people, she did set boundaries, but on that particular issue, she didn't have a problem with it because she always just thought that it can happen, that there are more of you that can... And, and she just was always... The house was open for who, however many people wanted to come, even if she'd only invited four and there were six. And, and I, it was on that particular yeah. note. But uh, aside from that, she, she could be, you know... So that's actually a very good example that, that, that all of us have a mix of different boundary types. So I might have healthy boundaries at work but I might have porous boundaries in my romantic relationships. Mm. She sounds like a bit of a narcissist. I mean, Very nice. Oh, really? <laughs> you, you, you don't think she was just letting extra people in so she could be abusive to them? No, and even at Christmas she'd lay an extra space for the person she that would be on their egg. own. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was at Easter. Oh, dear. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I was going to say Nigel Farage doesn't like porous boundaries, does he? <laughs> As Hank Potts would say, no comment. Yeah, well, actually, could, could, you, you and I both like listening to LBC, and um, there was a, a psychologist talking about Boris Johnson yesterday, mm -hmm. and I just wondered, if you don't mind, what you thought about if he's got boundaries or not, or correct boundaries. Well, I would say without, you know, without getting political... Um, there. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Dying beyond, for him to get political. Beyond my pay grade. However, <laughs> where do... This is someone who doesn't strike me as having very healthy boundaries. Um, so what... I didn't, I didn't hear the show, and you're right, we're, we're, we're both fans of the same show. But where do boundaries come from? We, we learn about them growing up. So sometimes I've had clients where 
as they grow up in their household, there were always people coming and going all of the time. I mean, I have a client who had three siblings, but the toilet in the house was in her bedroom. Um, so th these people can end up just being overly compliant because there never were any boundaries. There were no rules. Everything was open. And there is something very interesting about, pathologically speaking, Boris Johnson and this just lack of boundaries. And at the same time, you, as you and I were talking about, Rob, wanting to be compliant, wanting to be liked. Um, and again, the other extreme are people who grow up in households where everyone's suspicious of outsiders and the boundaries are very rigid. Um, and um, But they both lead to the same thing, which is I don't really have this self-respect and I'm not good at setting boundaries. Yes, he, he does like to be liked. And I'm, yeah. I've always got the feeling he's pretty needy and he wants people to actually, you know, like him. So. Margaret Thatcher's... Yeah. Lou was, the, well, Lou was at the bottom of the garden. What yeah, about she, her she boundaries? Didn't care about <laughs> hated her. God, bring her back, honestly. Uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten one question. Yeah. Uh, so let's have that. So this is the final one today. Uh, anonymous again. For me, it's not the mother-in-law I struggle with, but my parents. I live in Monaco. My parents live in the same building. I've tried everything, but nothing stops my parents popping around at all hours, especially now that I have a child. Yes, they pay towards our rent, but does that mean I have to have an open house 24-7? I feel guilty as I love them so much, but it does impact on my marriage. If I say something, it will make it much worse. Is sending them to a desert island a good boundary? Well, as long as it's like, you know, <laughs> Bermuda or uh, the Virgin Islands or something, I'd be quite happy. So the thing that stood out for me in the question was, I feel guilty and it might make matters worse. And the answer is when we go to set boundaries, um, it might make things worse in the short term. Um, However, I go back to what I said before, you, you get what you tolerate. And if I don't set boundaries, I am betraying myself. So to the question, again, I would try to understand why is it that um, parents are coming around all the time? Are they lonely? Are they worried? Um, I can be polite and I can say I enjoy seeing you. Um, it, the, kids, the kid is always happy to see you. However... It seems to me that you want to see the kids a lot. Maybe we can agree X or Y once a week or once a day. Um, but my boundary is it's not okay for me to you for you to come unannounced. So it will cause ripples and it is complicated. Um, however, uh, if you are not happy with it, then you have a right to be respected and to state what your needs are. I did say that was the last one, but this one has just come in, so we'll squeeze it in. Uh, another one about money. Does lending money, and that makes you feel actually good because you're helping somebody, uh, healthy financial relationship or not? So I feel bad if people ask me to lend them, and I can't say no, even if sometimes I don't want to. Again, the very last part of the question is if I don't want to. So it's how do we start the show? It's what's okay and what's not okay. So, you know, we have different types of boundaries. We have physical, we have sexual, we have emotional, we have financial. In our relationships, what's okay and not okay in our, in our romantic relationships financially. So the clue there is you're not okay with it. So how can you learn to work out what is it that you're prepared to do and how do you state that boundary? So concludes, please, Gavin, for today. So I conclude by saying that setting boundaries is an essential part of being emotionally healthy. We, we, it's, it's a daily ritual. 
Um, we don't learn how to set boundaries growing up. We have to do it as we get older. And as Sarah said, I can have healthy boundaries in one part of my life and recognize that they're unhealthy in other parts. So for me, I would start with how do you, what is it that you want in your relationships? Make a note of it um, and then work out how are you going to set those rules? And if it's difficult to do on your own, run it past a friend, run it past a professional, but all of us deserve to have these rules of engagement in all of our relationships. What are we doing next month? Oh, I don't know. What should we do? Didn't, I, didn't you mention narcissism? I'm exhausted. So I was either thinking, well, you decide, Rob, we can either talk about being in a relationship with a narcissist or I was thinking about doing something around what is, what is trauma and how do I recover from trauma? That's a good one. Which one should we do? Well, you're the Narcissist. expert. Narcissist. Mm. Were you looking at me when you said that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, we're going to do narcissism next month and, and nice. understanding narcissism and uh, what's it like if we're in a relationship, either work or personal relationship with a narcissist. Can we explain what the difference between a narcissist and a, and a sociopath is as well? We can do that. Great. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you both. Yes, Good to see you. you both. And I'm exhausted as well. I'm going to go and work on my boundaries. <laughs> the, the podcast will be available uh, shortly on our website, rivieradio.mc, and also your uh, website, which I'm sorry I can't remember because I'm a bit rusty. Shame on you. It's rivierawellbeing.com. Rivierawellbeing.com. And remember, if you want to know about boundaries, don't ask the England cricket team.